Hey, Miriam. Hey, Lavetta. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Notorious Women Podcast, a comedy podcast about some of history's most notorious women. That's right. How you doing, my love? I'm so good. I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. Shall we get started this week? You, uh, yeah. Do you, uh, you want to go, go first? Do you want to go first? Okay. I could go first. Okay. You go first. I have someone, I have someone that I have to say... I've never heard of before, and I'm a little like horrified that I've never you know, heard of her. Actually, my friend, yeah. let me inter- let me interject. I just want to uh, tell all of our listeners because this is our very first episode of Notorious Welcome. Women Podcast. <laughs> uh, so basically, the structure of this show is that each week, me and Miriam meet up, and she tells me about a notorious woman that came across her mind. I and then I tell her one. Now we don't know. Nope what each one of us is going to say. Yep. So. <laughs> Which knowing so, Lavetta, I'm like a little terrified, but like in the best way. Okay. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> they don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I love you know, it. I love a murderess. She I love loves a murderess. the devil. I'm just saying. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, I love a woman who likes to chop up a man in pieces. Mm-hmm. And spread his body parts <laughs> all over the world. That's my kind of girl. Just say it. Like, just it say like it. soothes your soul in a way that's like a little bit unsettling, but like, you know, I also have a lot of respect for. So, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> no, I will say I do have some empathy for like, you know, one of my favorite shows is Snapped. I mean, come oh, on. Come yes, on. I know this Classic about this you. Point. <laughs> but some of those women, I'm like, these bitches are wrong because this poor dude did not deserve yeah. this. Sometimes I am like that. But usually I'm like, yeah, girl, chop them up. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. In so. general, she's like, chop, 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 you chop, know. <laughs> chop, chop. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm sorry, just, darling. <laughs> just horrified by all the blood, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but this is why poisoning helps. Uh, <laughs> so you don't have to get blood all over mm-hmm. your clothes. Mm-hmm. I'm just... You know, no. just saying. Like, so I just want to be clear. You've thought this through. I'm just no, oh, not yeah, at all. Okay, not okay, at all. Okay. I just I've been inspired. Oh, uh, cool, cool. Dolores Claiborne is one of my favorite movies. Uh, check it out. Uh, oh, Kathy right. Bates, one of her finest performances. Yeah, so I like. Uh, I love Anne of Green Gables. Okay, but that's fine. <laughs> We're friends. <laughs> the audience is getting to know us right away. Yeah. You Anne of Green Gables, me is like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dolores Claiborne. Man falls out of well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I got issues. I got issues. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. It's funny. It makes me laugh. <laughs> but I also, I, I get a little scared. But uh, it's fine. No, you're I'm, a woman. You're fine. You're fine. I'm a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I do feel you too. I'm not like, you're wrong exactly. It's just, it's the blood. I don't know. <laughs> All the no, hacking with, with the axes, you know, I mean... And that takes a lot of energy, but you know. Uh, but so, anyway, darling, who do you have this week? It's, it's why we work us. out. Okay. Um, <laughs> exactly. Okay. So this week I have, and okay. So Lavetta knows I have, I have a business. I, everything I do is very old school. I'm very 1992 up in my life, right? So I write everything down, whole business, which is like a little, a little notebook with like, words of of the things not like an excel spreadsheet like the rest of the world so i have my little handwritten notes so if i pause and i go uh 
It's because I don't know how to work a computer. And that's my bad. So that, that I'm going to preface with that. Sorry about that. Okay, so this woman this week is a woman who was born in 1908 in Paris, France on January 9th. So it's timely, right? About yeah, January-ish, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. She was born into a bourgeois family in the 6th arrondissement. Oh, because she's French. Oh, so now you show speak. it off. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I can't speak French. The French is, I can't. <laughs> I can speak French. I say French fries and moi and we. That's all I got. Oh, that was really good. Those were me and yes, like That's a French I person. I'm very proud of you. Anyways. Hey, but I do speak Japanese. I'm just saying. Right. I'm in ways saying. in which I cannot dream. Um, so this woman is named, ready? Simone mm-hmm. de Beauvoir. I mean, what? Okay, a... let me try that. Go, go ahead. Go Simone ahead. de Beauvoir. No? I mean, you tried so hard, and I really appreciate <laughs> the effort. That's so wrong. The effort that you That's put so wrong. <laughs> I love <laughs> you. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, okay. French people. I'm so sorry. I'm a dumb American. I'm no, so sorry. Um, when when we when we cover a Japanese woman, I will truly embarrass myself as well. Um, <laughs> no, French. I, I should know better. I should. I, I should know how to speak Listen, French. Listen, I'm gonna throw better. my husband under the bus right now. When we first started dating. And he said something I don't remember. And he was trying to be like, like French, right? And he goes, bonjour. And I was like, my day? <laughs> and he was like, no, no, bonjour. And I was like, without that, I was like, bonjour, you know? Bonjour. Like, like, that is not a word in any language I have ever seen. Bonjour. Okay. Um, and don't think he doesn't still say that because he does. Oh, um, but he landed you. He I know, smoked. right? That's right, mm. baby. <laughs> He's a very lucky man is all I have to say. <laughs> yes, he is. Okay. Okay. So Simone de Beauvoir or her full name. You ready? Yes. Simone Lucy Ernestine Marie Bertrand de Beauvoir. Because some of my French accents are not so great. But that's her whole name. Okay. Um, her parents were Georges Bertrand de Beauvoir, who was a lawyer and an aspiring actor, but ended up being a lawyer. I feel like people can relate to that. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> Francois Beauvoir, né Brassure. I just like saying those words a lot. I, I see you. I see you. That's mm-hmm. all right. That's all right. Showing off. <laughs> I mean, we fancy over here at um, Notorious Women. That's what I'm mm-hmm. saying. It's almost tea time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, her mother was a wealthy banker's daughter and a devout Catholic. So that'll slightly come. Oh, so she's well off. This woman very well off in 1908. You know, this is the end. I think or like ish of like. Okay, I am not right. We're not historians here, but I feel like this is Gilded Age ish. Am I wrong? Uh, What what year? 1908. So like the end of it. So yeah, like you know. I listened to a uh, podcast about this and it's called, in France, it would be called Belle Epoque. The Belle Epoque. Belle Epoque. Belle, Belle Epoque. Belle Epoque. Belle, I which can't, which no, corresponded no. to our Gilded Age here in the United States. Oh, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she also had a sister who was two years younger, Helene. Helene. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> that might be wrong. Um, uh, so. uh, no, Miriam is Helene. Like, are you, are you like sure about that? <laughs> 
Because uh, you sound like confident. Thought, Proceed. Okay, thank you. I Proceed. Just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so they lost much of their fortune shortly after World War One. So she was Ooh. like, ah, World War One, twelve, thirteen. Um, but rich people are going to rich. We all know. So her dad still insisted that both kids go to a prestigious convent school, because God forbid they go to a public school. No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. That was so. peasants. <laughs> ew, gross. Um, <laughs> people at public schools. Ew, gross. Don't don't touch poor people. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I went to public school. Damn it. So did I. So, so did I understand. I. Yeah, like I hear you. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so she was super, super smart. Um, she was so smart that, okay, get this is how smart she was. Her father would boast that, quote, Simone thinks like a man. Like, so smart. Oh, God forbid she thinks like a, a lady with her <laughs> little pea brain, lady she, brain. She would never think like a, like a, like a little lady. No, oh, no. Oh, Lord. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the compliment, mm. Dad. But I actually, hmm, huh. Huh. <laughs> I guess he's trying to give her a compliment. He's trying. He's trying. He's trying. That's they try. Give him some yep. credit. Ah. Um so I mean like so smart. Whew. Okay. So uh unfortunately, uh she could no longer rely on her dowry. Oh, that's right? that's fucked up though. She's in a bad way, yeah, actually. So um so because her marriage opportunities were like at risk, she uh, she knew she had to get a job herself. So she studied really hard. Um, and based on latter knowledge of her, I feel like she was OK with that. She that oh. that she wasn't necessarily looking. But I, I don't know. I mean, maybe she was one way and she, I, I'm not really sure okay. um, if someone is sure. Please write us. Um, so she first worked with a man named Maurice Merleau-Ponty. I don't really know anything about him, but I don't care because he's a man. And um, <laughs> Claude Levi Strauss. Levi Strauss. So the jeans do. Levi Strauss. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. So I know that, but only because like I wear jeans. Um, so when they all completed <laughs> their practice teaching requirements at the same secondary school, but she was, so she wasn't officially enrolled though, but she sat in on courses at the Ecole Normale Supérieure, uh, in preparation, I do have more French for you, don't you worry, for the aggregation in philosophy. It says like aggregation or ag, which is like, it's a highly competitive postgrad exam and it serves as a national ranking of students. So while oh. studying, she met Jean-Paul Sartre, which is maybe someone you have heard of if you're listening, um, and Paul Nizan and René Melu. I haven't heard of the other two, but Sartre is a philosopher dude that we all had to learn about a little bit, right? Not me. <clears throat> oh, no? Oh, no, because again, Florida. I would, I'm from Florida, so yeah. Blame <laughs> Florida. Ever, did you ever read No Exit? No. Oh, okay. That's that's only Renee's it's play. It's sad. Yeah. No, one, no, one, no one leaves because there's no exit. Sorry. No. <laughs> that is genius, actually. Right. No exit. 
What does that you, mean? No one has to read it. I've given it away. <laughs> no one leaves. How? <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> okay. So so she took this uh, exam, which is like they, they place you, and the jury narrowly awarded Sartre first place just over Simone, who made second place, but was 21 years old and the youngest person to ever pass this exam. She also wow. finished an exam certificate of general philosophy and logic. Um, and she came second to Simone Wheel, which is maybe someone else we should discover. Um, maybe. So there's a great there's a great quote from her okay. uh, that she she wrote a book later on called Memoirs of a Dutiful Daughter. And the quote I think is interesting. My father's individualism and a pagan ethical. Sorry, I'm going to start that again because I said, uh, because I can't, because I can't write. I told you this is going to be a problem. (laughs) (laughs) My father's individualism and pagan ethical standards were in complete contrast to the rigidly moral conventionalism of my mother's teaching. This disequilibrium, which made my life a kind of endless disputation, is the main reason why I became an intellectual. I mean, same, right? Like you too, obviously. Yeah. Like that's I why understood all of that. Yeah, uh. it makes it makes sense. So <laughs> what I'm guessing from this is that mom was super Catholic and rigid and like strict. And dad was like, nah, go get an education and think for yourself. And she was like, I wonder what I should do. And she's like juggling those two ideas. Oh, yeah. You know. We can all relate to that. Yeah. Kind, right? Kind of. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So she what needed more schooling. This woman got so much schooling. Um, she got a post-secondary education after completing high school at Lycée Fenelon. She passed baccalaureate exams in math and philosophy in 1925, then went to study math at Institut Catholique, Catholique de Paris. And I just love that. And literature languages at the Institut Saint-Marie and then studied philosophy at the Sorbonne. And then after completing her degree in 1928, wrote her, I'm exhausted already, her Diplôme d'études supérieures spécialisées. So that that I think is like an MA thesis. Oh, my word. So I just wore one BA. In 1920s? Wow. As a woman. In, yeah. You know, this always makes me think of like, you know, that's why equality is so important just across the board, because it really opens up like the possibility for every for all of us to really tap into our strengths. Right. Right. Like think about all the women who were equally brilliant. Yeah. Who were just like, get married, told, get married, have a baby. So and, we've missed out on no, all of their brilliance. I mean, you wonder what this world would be. Yeah. If more people and you think about it, they lost their money, but there's something about the idea that they thought of themselves as better than mm-hmm. still allowed her to pursue things. She she didn't even couldn't enroll in some of the schooling, so she just sat and watched. Well, what if we gave that feeling, that ideology to everyone? Exactly. Everyone is deserving of pursuing what they want. And we all might have to take a different path, maybe, but we all deserve it, you know. Yeah, not and just I would the imagine rich, you know, because even though they're formerly rich, they're not in the poorhouse. And so no. I would imagine she could afford to go to school and right. didn't have to work as a servant or 
you know, a shop girl. Exactly. Because, you know. So she even with that, like, oh, they lost her money. She still had an enormous level of privilege. Yeah. Like, but she used it to good use. And she used it to good use. Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. Mostly. We'll get there. Mostly. Okay. Um, Okay. (laughs) Um, So her political philosophy studies influenced her focus on societal concerns. So, yeah. So, okay. So she, when she was a kid, she was actually very religious. Like her mother very much influenced her. And she um, considered even becoming a nun. But then at 14, which I was thinking like when I was 14, I think 14 is around the age where you're like, okay, like I hear what you all have been saying to me. But, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not sure. Yeah. And you try to, like, figure it out. So she she went from wanting to be a nun to being atheist. Um, oh, that's a big deal for, it's like... A, it's a pretty solid for like leap. A, like a French upper-class woman who's raised Catholic. Catholic. And, Go from and went Catholic to, like, to atheist. Is, that's a big leap. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at 14 too. It's not, you know, yeah, that was young. And this is a, this is an interesting quote. I'm just, I'm going to, I'll quote it. Faith allows an evasion of those difficulties, which the atheist confronts honestly. And to crown all the believer derives a sense of great superiority from this very cowardice itself. Oof, that's like rough. And that's a burn. Now, do you do you like wonder if she was like mad at her mom? You know what I'm saying? It could she's, be. I mean, she's a teenager. Because if you're raised with someone who's religiously like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, like strict. You see the downside of like yeah. that kind of you know you don't because in its purest form. Religion and spirituality is about acceptance, love, da da da. Yeah, nurturing usually, and all that stuff. Yeah, but usually people who are very super religious and strict, they somehow forget that part. Yeah, and especially like if she's a teenager and she's trying to do more and explore more yeah. of herself, and there's this doctrine that's like telling her, nope, you know. Yeah. That's but that's a pretty solid jump. Also, her writing is not uneloquent. I'm I'm gonna say that. Yeah, like uh, a zealot. That's what I was thinking of. Like, mm. y- we've all experienced like religious zealots who are, you know, they kind of turn you off because you're like, do they remember the core foundation for this religion that says to love fellow men yeah. and, and do I good mean, in the world? I think that's a big issue in this world right now. Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's not. I mean, it's probably been a big issue the whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So the good ones have to show up, you know, and they do. Yeah. I'm I'm friends yeah. with them. <laughs> yeah. And some uh, people need it. I, I've often said it. Some people oh, need yeah. religion because they'd be lost without it. I think that it's one of those things where anything can be taken. Anything that is big and, and somewhat powerful can be taken and used for bad. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's also, you know, it's not the spirituality of it or even some of the teachings. It's the people. Yeah, who who abuse it? Because yeah. I, you know, like we, I think you and I both know exactly. I know so many people that have been that has it has been a mattress for them, like to to land on, 
in a yeah. way that saved them. And yeah. that's, that's a beautiful thing. I would never negate, I would never negate that. But then, yeah. you know, then it's important to be responsible for how you use that. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, we could go more into that all day, but <laughs> let's get, let's, uh, let's go on with her life. So 1929 through 1943, she taught at the lycée level until she could support herself uh, solely on her writing because she oh, wow. clearly is destined to be a writer. So she met Sartre, right, during her college years. And he was, this is what Wikipedia said. He was intrigued by her determination as an educator and thus intended to make their relationship romantic. What? Mm. Is that what happened? Or was she hot? Oh, God. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Calm down, Sartre. Yeah, I'm assuming he's older than her too. Yeah. And... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We we'll get there, girl. Okay. okay. Oh. Uh, well, gets interesting. So, um, so they ended up together in 1929. So at first she was like, "No, because that's not hot." I love your determination to be a good teacher. Shall we? Shall we walk along the Champs Elysees with you on my arm? You know. No, we should not. Um, but then I think he calmed down and she was like, okay, you cute. That's fine. Um, and then he asked her to marry him on a provisional basis. What? So, so her father, Wikipedia, confronted them about the relationship. Now, I am confused because if there was no dowry, then what was he looking for exactly? Well... It's yeah. also the father's looking out for her honor too. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause that's really what fathers are really I mean, good he, at. He seemed very much like on her side and loved her and yeah. was very protective of her and wanted her to be educated. Like, and Basically like, who this fool? Like, yeah. Come on over. What are your intentions? I have two children and I will yeah. be a terrible adult. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I'll be like, tell me everything. I should sure. You should always slightly fear me. Okay, it's yes. fine. Not a lot. I agree. But like I agree. a little. Yeah. I agree. This feels right. You should always fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he told he Sartre said, let's sign a two year lease, like in our relationship. Which Oh oh yeah. Oh okay. Like, will you date me for two years, my darling? Well, okay. you know what though? At first uh, at first that sounds weird but now i'm like no i like him he's just like i'm a you got i'm a i have two years to impress you yeah instead of wasting my time stringing me along stringing her along two years i heard i had a friend years ago say two years is a good marker if you're dating a guy if he hasn't proposed in two years then you need to walk away yes i yeah i've known so many relationships like at the two-year mark i mean honestly sal didn't propose till four years but that's fine. That's fine. Were you guys living together before then, though? Oh, yeah. And also, oh. like, there was a moment, I think at the two and a half, the two year mark, we hadn't ever gone on a vacation together because we were actors in New York and we were poor and we were in shows and very busy and important, obviously. And, uh, you know, because we're famous now, it worked. Um, <laughs> and he, Doesn't he, mean you weren't busy. I was busy. But I was like, we have to go on vacation together. Because I had traveled, like I'd backpacked in college. And I, I had seen relationships explode while traveling. And so I was like, I need to travel with him before I, you know, before I, you know, 
agree to anything else. And so he had said, he was so sweet. He's like, I've been saving money for us. Do you want me to do that? Or do you want to go on this vacation? And I said vacation. We had a beautiful vacation. <laughs> I mean, that's Bay right there, though. It's like, I've mm-hmm. been saving for us. Okay. Yeah. So it, was, okay, it, it, Daddy. it told me two things. He is serious. He does want to marry me. Cool, cool. But we have the money to go on vacation. You're the one that's like, let's blow it. <laughs> and that's, that's been me ever since. <laughs> let's blow it, baby. Mm-hmm. He was like, really? <laughs> and all of my friends to this day are like, really? And I was like, yeah, no, he wasn't going anywhere. It was fine. I was oh, right. So okay. Sweet. You were right. right. No, you're right. Vacations are important. They Vacations are. are very important. So mm-hmm. I agree. I, I need a vacation. That's yep. Side note. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, so she had written, I guess, in a diary. We have a lot of she had written. So maybe she wrote, she ended up writing a lot of books. So she had written that marriage was impossible. I had no dowry. So she knew that. So she was, she seemed fine just going with him. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Um, because what they did was they entered into a soul partnership, which was sexual but not exclusive nor did it involve living together, which, oh, um, yeah, I mean. So they were I, in an open relationship in 1929. 1929. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you can do it, do it, yeah. baby. <laughs> now, was this I open mean, for her, though? Mm. Oh, yes. Let me oh. continue. Mm. So okay. she writes her first novel. Uh, in, so I'm going to go back and forth a little bit here. So, okay. um, her, her this, but this is going to tell you some things. So, okay. uh, it was called, she came to stay in 1943. So it was like, it was scandalous. So it, it's pretty as much assumed that it was inspired by her and Sartre's sexual relationship with Olga and Wanda Kosakievsi. I can't, I think it's Polish. <laughs> And I am part Polish, so it's the most disrespectful that I have no idea <laughs> how to pronounce that name. Kosakiewicz. Uh, you know what? I'll call my mom later. She'll know. Uh, sure. I <laughs> can't add anything to that. Okay. That's fine. Um, so Olga was one of her students in the Rouen Secondary School where she taught uh, in the early 1930s. Uh, Simone liked her and Sartre tried to pursue a relationship with her, but she rejected him. So he started up a relationship with her sister, Wanda. So he actually kept supporting Wanda to his death. Um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm confused. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Simone taught. Yeah. Olga. Olga. Yeah. Yeah. And taught while she was teaching Olga or while she was teaching Olga teaching Olga uh-huh. Sart- Sarta uh Sartre Sartre tried Sartre to pursue a relationship with her with she rejected Olga. him but Simone liked her too so this is what I'm getting and like y'all we have to read the book it's called she came to stay um but I think he also had something with Wanda because he supported Wanda for the rest of her life. Now, Olga, he supported for years because, uh, uh, until, until she got married. Um, 
So did Sartre and Olga and Simone? But, but you don't know. I, I, that's what I'm getting. Get that's what okay. I'm getting. That's what I'm okay. getting. Hey, uh-huh. nice work but if you can is, get it. You know, you know who uh, you know who Olga married was who? a man named Jacques Laurent Bost, which was one of Simone's lovers. So oh, this is very fear. incestuous. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. These people getting it in. Okay. Um. So the novel apparently is mostly philosophical, but I mean, with sex. With love sex, sex. I think it's probably okay. porn. I mean, that sounds I, good. I'm not mad at listen, that. Listen, I do not shame, kink Mm-mm. shame. Mm-mm. If you can get it yep. with consenting adults, get yep. it. Okay. Yep. Get I it. have one requirement: consenting adults. That's, That's it. it. That's it. Um, I'm jealous. So. <laughs> These people getting it in, man. It's been a desert over here for years. I- it's been a pandemic. Like, yes. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are French. French. Okay. I mean, I think this is what this, this is what all the those French rumors were about French in the eighties. Which that's who, why they're happier than us. But it might, it might have been just like right, you know. And the croissants uh-huh. are delicious. I mean, listen, they got good food and lots of yeah. sex. I mean, come on, what's there not to love? What are we doing in this country? I don't why know. are we even here? I, I don't okay. know, girl. So, Oof depressing okay so um so it was mostly philosophical she's philosophical i can speak she (laughs) wrote a ton of other books after that in 1944 she started writing essays on the philosophy of existentialism which is what sartre is known for so sartre wrote no exit he wrote trojan women um a bunch of other things who cares he's a man um, but so existentialism is a, a philosophical theory or approach which emphasizes the existence of the individual person as a free and responsible agent determining their own development through acts of, of the will. So when you look this up, because like I looked it up in the dictionary, like Beauvoir and Sartre, they're both under like existentialism, Simone de Beauvoir, Jean-Paul Sartre. Oh, okay. So they basically developed this philosophy that has that you know i mean have you ever read the stranger by camus a long time ago that's existential. wow yeah. that okay okay wow um, this is what sex will lots of sex would do for you your so brain much okay. sex i mean open it up yeah that's what i'm talking about yeah i'm just very particular about my body i'm just that's me like that's just me i get grossed out easily by people yeah Most i'm people just are like disgusting. what are you doing uh <laughs> pandemic's been hard on a sister yeah, i just yeah. i'm yeah, like ew ew um, yeah <laughs> yeah um, it's okay it's okay we're opening up a little i mean because like a threesome with Idris elba and michael b jordan sounds great right it sounds amazing i mean but then i think about it and i'm like mm, i don't know a lot of smells going on i i can't yeah. i mean they could yeah. show first Right. Yeah, I'm up still. Uh, yeah. I know. I mean, I you wouldn't mean, say no. You wouldn't walk out of the no, room. No, no. I would no. definitely try it. Yeah, I would be mad. I'd be like, now. get back crazy. in there now. I mean, okay. <laughs> not really, because Idris is married. I don't. I don't right. no, get with married men. No. But a single Idris. I'm just just saying. No, we but, know. You know. We know the version. Yes. That would exist like, for this yes. to you know play out in your future. But like. <laughs> but apparently it opens your mind, man. Like I mean, right? It's your brain power, yeah. Okay. Um, so the name of her first philosophical essay is Pyrrhus Asinius. 
I don't really know anything more about that. You can look it up. Um, so, <laughs> and only so much time, right? So the end of World War II, uh, they both edited uh, Les Temps Modernes, which was a political journal that Sartre founded with someone else, but she used this journal to promote her own work and explore her own ideas on a smaller scale before the larger essays and books that she wrote. So the biggest thing she's known for is the book The Second Sex, which was funny because I hadn't really heard of her. I knew of existentialism, but The Second Sex I'd heard of, but I bet I'd only heard of it, right? Um, and it is her most famous book. Uh, and what she does is she turns the existentialist mantra into a feminist one. Um, and there was a famous phrase she wrote, one is not born, but becomes a woman. Uh, and she first articulated what has come to be known as the sex gender distinction. What? So the sex gender distinction is like this, the, what did I write? This distinction between the biological sex and the social and historical construction of gender and its stereotypes, which mm. is kind of, there's a lot of yeah. like non-binary and yep. trans and like all these things. Because gender like, is a construct. It doesn't mean like you're, you know, we're socialized. Men are socialized a certain yes. way. It's like, you know, all of the wig wearing and the perfume and the, the kitten heels came from men peacocking uh -huh. around. Yes. Like, like all of that. And male peacocks are more beautiful than female peacocks. Yes. You know, and they be to be entertained. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's that. Yes. <laughs> that's so interesting. Wow. This was in the 1940s. Wow. That's what I'm fascinated by because I, I find myself in all these conversations because I have kids and, you know, kids are trying things and exploring things. And yeah. Um, and I'm like, this is real. This has been around and then I'm reading about her and I'm like, she wrote about it. Yeah. Like it's, you know, it is what it is. Like it, it could just be, you know, a boy in a dress, which in 200 years ago was what boys wore until they were nine. You know, I'm telling you that, that Louis the 14th, I mean, I'm just wow. jealous of him. I'm jealous of all them wigs and fabulous wigs they had. Like he, he looked fabulous all the way like, down. I'm, little I'm not sure he was like in a there. good stockings. Man. No, it wasn't. No, uh, uh, but that's a good dress. I mean, I mean, I don't want to wear stockings anymore. So I get no again peacocking yeah. around. They came out yep. for a reason. That's yeah. Um, so she, she a, a fun quote. The fundamental source of women's oppression is its historical and social construction as the quintessential other. She defined women mm. as the second sex because women are defined as inferior to men. So they took this and they defined it for us. Um, Aristotle argued women are female by virtue of a certain lack of qualities. Cool, 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 cool. Like, what? You yeah, what a dick. Like, I'm sorry. Bitch, please. I did no. not know Aristotle was a dick. But well, he's a dude from back then. Of course, he's a dick. I mean. Um, so Thomas Aquinas, he's not known for being the nicest dude, said women as imperfect men and the incidental being. Okay. She also says in itself, homosexuality is as limiting as heterosexuality. The idea should be to be capable of loving a woman or a man, either a human being without feeling fear, restraint, or obligation. 
And she asserts that women can choose to elevate themselves and reach a transcendental position in which one takes responsibility for oneself in the world where one chooses one's freedom. So, so the the quote on homosexuality, this was yeah, her, right? That was so her. So it sounds like she sounds like she's a polyamorous. Yeah. What I think is I think interesting. I might have that wrong. No, she's bisexual. Bisexual. But maybe well, polyamory, okay. I I am not I don't know, but like I I, I mean, it sounds like it. that's what she and Sartre were doing. Like, but that's before there was a name for it. So polyamory is when like three people or I don't know if it's No, it's more. when you have multiple lovers. It could be three, four, five. I thought it was like a contract. So like I don't know what depends. So Everybody the, got different contracts. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's mm. true. Well, that's I mean, because open relationships sometimes it could be one sided open. Like but there might there might be a difference between open relationship and polyamory. Oh no, just, there is. There is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a, a. Usually, polyamory also involves like uh, it's what kids call pan nowadays. Pansexual. Oh, okay. I mean, you're attracted to people's spirit. And not yeah. necessarily a gender or right. sex. Yeah. But that's what I think it's interesting. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with her quote exactly. Oh, no. But I, I, I mean, of this time, it's pretty. But of this time, the spirit of trying yeah. to normalize a, a homosexuality, I support the, the idea that everyone got to be me is maybe not, eh, maybe right. not so great. Oh, yeah. That's. Um. I mean, that, that Catholic upbringing has to seep in some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So there's that. <laughs> it's not that, but it's definitely that. Yeah. How about it's like me a little bit uh, of everything? Yeah. Um, okay, so chapters of the second sex were originally published in Les Temps Modernes in June 1949. The second volume came out a few months after, um, after the first one in France, and it was published soon after in America. But... Because the translator only had a basic understanding of French and a minimal understanding of philosophy, because he was a biology professor, much of her book is mistranslated or inappropriately cut, and it distorted her intended message. So why is he translating it if he got limited? I don't. Well, that's a really under- good question, Lavetta. Is he a man? I and he had access. He's a man. I think he's a white man. In America. Straight passing. Uh-huh. Cisgendered. Oh, oh definitely. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. And then okay. for years, Knopf was the publisher. Um, they refused to publish a more accurate retranslation. And other existential scholars were begging them to do it, but he wouldn't do it. I mean, I think Ameri- kidding me? America is going to prude every time. Like, But also, like, <laughs> they're not any other French-speaking people. Who can translate? No, I don't. No. Oh, okay. No. In America, all of America. It's just one guy. It's just one guy. He did a terrible job. He did a terrible job. But if you only have one guy in America that speaks French and English, which was obviously the case. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. 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 Clearly. They just did that because she's a woman. Yeah. A woman with ideas. Ew. Thinking. (laughs) Gross. So massage is like, that's right. These ladies are got oh, on to something here. Like, nah, dude. No, no, we're not. 
No, yeah, if we're you're being thinking that, this sarcastic. is the wrong podcasting. Yeah, don't. Yeah. Mm-mm. You can go somewhere else. <laughs> Dang it, man. I mean, here, it, it, see, that's, that's, that goes to show you also, like, a woman even back then could be brilliant and have very, like, brilliant ideas. But because yeah. sexism is institutionalized, some dick is like, eh, you speak basic French. Ooh, do toi. I mean, listen again. Mm-hmm. I don't speak French. It's on, but that was fine. Uh, you tried. Okay. Like he's like they're like good enough. No, <laughs> no. Lavetta, would you like to know when a real translation was made in America? When it was two thousand nine. Of yes. her, no. Uh, yeah, of the second Shut sex. The fr- yeah. <laughs> two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. That just um, makes me angry. It makes me want to uh, kill somebody. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that, yeah. <clears throat> I'm a little scared of you. That's fine. <laughs> this, yeah, that's exactly. fucked up, man. So um, in the book, she has this philosophy that when men push the myth that women are mysterious, it's an excuse to not understand them. And like, ah, therefore, not help them. Ah, um, and you see that in other kinds of oppression as well. It's a great yeah. like, oh, you're a magical, mythical brown person. Ah, you know, you I mean, see magical that. Negro is a trope for a reason uh, in movies. Oh, okay. Oh, that's bad. Yeah. Also bad. So I guess we're here to say that that's bad. Um. But she wrote That's so about perceptive. It wow. is, and she wrote about this in the forties. Wow, of America didn't hear about it till two thousand nine. Um, wow. But like, yeah. So, so I think it's interesting too. She didn't want to be called a feminist. She, she wanted to separate herself from that, which kind of drives me nuts. Just like be a feminist. Yeah, a feminist. it's just like it's not. It doesn't mean you don't like men. It doesn't. it doesn't mean that you can you can be exactly who you are. You just again, I want my back blown out all the time, and I'm definitely a feminist. So <laughs> I think that's part that is my yeah. right as a feminist to get my back yes. blown out whenever yes. I want. Yeah, and, uh, and as a feminist, I support your desire for yes. your back to be blown out as much as yes. you want. That's right. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Just <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> But I, I know what you, you mean. When women I are like, but I'm you, not sister. a feminist. But I'm not You're a like, feminist. Not... No. Okay, then you want men to control you. That's that's what I that's hear. All, all is equality. So your work can be translated you know? <laughs> accurately. Within 60 years of you writing it. Okay, there, I said it. <laughs> yeah. I'm fine. I'm fine. Thanks for checking. <laughs> so when she observed the resurgence of the feminist movement in the early 60s and 70s, she stated that she no longer believed a socialist revolution to be enough to bring about women's liberation. So in 1972, she publicly declared herself a feminist. The second sex became a catalyst for challenging women's situations. Um, She also joined other Marxist feminists uh, in founding the journal Questions, Questions Feministes, she has always def- had always defined herself more as an author, so she wasn't mm. defining herself as an activist, as 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 she, an or or an existentialist. Uh, she 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 thought of herself as just expanding on Sartre's ideas of existentialism. Okay, but, 
but history has her as one of the top founders of yeah. the philosophy. Um, so she stayed in an open relationship with Sartre until his death in 1980. She took many lovers. Okay, this is a one fun quick story. One of her lovers, famous guy, was an American author, Nelson, Nelson Algren. She met him in 1947 and wrote to him as my beloved husband. Her books, oh. she wrote a book, The Mandarins, and Algren was the character Louis Brogan. Like, she took him and made him a character in her book, and he was really pissed. Um, oh. Yeah. Say, so, uh... Uh, and there's a play written by Art Shea based on Algren, Beauvoir, and Sartre's triangular relationship. That is what I read. Um, and so she, yeah, Art Shea took nude pictures of Simone as well. This, she's a very interesting human. She's just um, a lover. She's a lover, not a fighter. That's, now there's, listen. There, there's some complications that arise. So, oh, yeah. Um, we, we know she was bisexual, which is fine. It's great. Um, but she was also had attractions to women who were under the age of 18. And she oh. was a teacher in a school. Oh. Uh, French author Bianca Lamblin wrote in her book, Memoirs, Memoirs d'une jeune fille dérangée, a disgraceful affair, that when she was a student at Lycée Molière, she was sexually exploited by, by Simone, uh, who was in her 30s. Uh. Damn, yeah. girl. Damn, Gina. And in 1943, <laughs> she was suspended from teaching from her teaching position when she was accused of seducing her 17-year-old, you say, pupil, Natalie Sorokin. I, I said that badly. So she's an R. Kelly of, of, of women, French it's women. So she did so much that was, like, really good. And then she's exploiting young women. Yeah. It's, and she, she's exploiting young women at a time where a woman's reputation is still everything. like a, everything. Right. So yeah. like, you know, I applaud her for being sexually open and things like that. But to have that kind of effect on women, not only younger women, but women that you are in charge of teaching. You are the one in control. So you're a predator. You're a predator. I, I mean, mean, let's call a thing a thing. Yeah, like she a predator. She's a predator. Yeah, that's why people are yeah. complicated. Yeah, like she's like it's just a shame because she's one of the few women it seems that had such a high profile. Yeah, as you know, an academic and um, a literary person, and then she's preying on because I would imagine because we know how it is to be because we've both been very young women and like yeah. you see this older woman like you're seventeen, she's in her thirties, and you're like, oh my god, when I grow up, I want to be her. And you and don't have, especially in this time and place, who are you looking up to as a young yeah. woman who wants to maybe be something other than a wife, right? Or a, yeah. or, or a teacher or, or the things that, well, while women did all this stuff, the predominant societal expectation was not go do great things and maybe yeah. get married. I don't care. It was get married and then you can do some things too if you'd like. Yeah. Um, so they, to have this person who is successfully doing that and then to be taken advantage of. And then of. to be preyed on like uh, you would expect a dude. So Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so Simone. In mm -hmm. her, okay. Ugh. So her parents, the, Natalie's parents, laid formal charges against Simone for debauching a minor, even though age consent in France was 15. But 
they did 15. revoke her. Yeah, crazy. I hear you. I think it's better now, but yeah. I mean, that's, that's so telling, though, that even though the age uh, was 15, that still her parents were like, no, 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 no. Because she's, how old yes, was she? 17. Yeah. It Like, because of yeah. the power, there was also a power uh, yeah. different, the power mm-hmm. play going on. But mm-hmm. uh, so she also more slightly same problematic situation in 1977 she signed a petition to completely remove the age of consent in france like what 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 What? why would you do that so this see miriam you tricked me i thought this was going to be like a female philosopher she's notorious because she was doing academic stuff at a time when women weren't doing it no this bitch just a, a pederast she had so in my brain, she is notorious in the good side and she is notorious on the bad side in all one fell swoop. I mean. So she Maxwell, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. OK. All right. I get it. I mean, yeah, I can't like, you know, like you want to try to find the bright side of life a little. No, it ain't no bright side. <laughs> yes. She's trying to get. So not only was she doing this, but then she like, actually, 15 is too old no that was like it's one thing of like i was reading it right and i'm like okay well if the age consent was 15 like in her head she's 17 and she's not aware enough but for someone who is so aware and ahead of her time and aware of the uh of the class system and 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 the the gender uh like for her to not be aware of the power that she has over her students Like, yeah. I don't believe you. She's like, and them 12-year-olds looking real good to be right saying. about you now. That's Ew! <laughs> what Ew. are you doing? Bitch, go home. A 15-year-old. Ew! Ew! Literal child. Uh-uh. I joke uh-uh. with people all the time, like, the difference between, like, actual 15 and, like, on TV, a 15-year-old. Oh, yeah, that's Because it's like, 15-year-olds are children. Have they're... you met a 15, like, an actual 15-year-old? Right? Oh, no. They're, they're very children oh this bitch is problematic as fuck mm-hmm. you tricked me miriam i did trick me very mean right mm. <laughs> that's a good one it's a good one yeah right because she's a yeah. bad one you see what i did there. she's a bad one yeah um and then you know she wrote popular travel diaries about time spent in the states and and china um she did become active in the 70s to uh, she signed a manifesto of 343-1971 that included a list of famous women who claimed to have had an abortion. Um, and then it became legal in 1974. Just total side fun fact, it is still legal to have an abortion in France. Okay. Okay. We don't have to go I mean, down a road. I just, no, we don't. I'm just going to casually mention that it is still legal mm-hmm, because they've come a long way. Yeah. Cool. Whew, okay. Lavetta mm. <laughs> and I both have a look of like, we could talk for another five hours. Oh, yeah. We are angry. This is the first episode. We got to, you know. Yeah, no. We'll rain. You'll hear more. We're going to get worry. there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, She also said that no woman should be authorized to stay at home and raise her children because if they were, then every woman would choose to do so. She's problematic. I know. Oh, God. <laughs> She sounds like one of those women who are like, I just want, like, true equalities is for women to behave like men. True equality is for women to be me. And yeah. then everyone does 
what I do, and then, and then we could all just justify all of my actions by everyone. Oh my being God! Me. This bitch, you gotta hide your twelve-year-olds, your thirteen-year-olds, mm-hmm. your nine-year-olds. Like I, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Hide your you kids. Hide your kids. Yes. In the basement, lock the door. Oh, she's a teacher. Through. Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, and that's it. So she, by the way, she adopted a daughter, Sylvie Lebon, but I don't oh, know no. when. But oh, she no. did. So that's no. you know, it's it's yeah. Why? Why did she? Poor do baby. That? Um, no. Let's get, let's get to her death. And, cool. What's her name again? <laughs> Simone de Beauvoir. Uh, and where were your sources? I forgot to ask you at the top. Wikipedia and Wikipedia. Wikipedia has a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, donate like, to Wikipedia. Donate to Wikipedia, y'all. Yeah. Um, it has a lot more than what I did, but you, yeah, I mean, it's, it's podcast. Wow. Thank you um, so much. You're welcome. And she died in Paris in 1978. Oh, so, wow. Pneumonia. You tricked me. Yeah, that was mean. Yeah. All right. I know. Let me get to. My notorious woman for this week. She's uh, she's special. Uh, oh, let's Lord. say that. Um, <laughs> uh, not a a predator uh, of of children. That is. Uh, so, all right. So, thank you again for doing that. So, no my that's, why, that's why I warned you at the beginning when you're like, oh, I was like, well, well let's keep going. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Mm, she's so amazing. Uh-huh, uh-huh, she went to college. Right. Yeah, she did. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So now. My notorious woman this week is a woman by the name of Mary Baker. Okay. Um, AKA Princess Caribou. Now, my sources for this were Wikipedia, uh, the criminal podcast, I highly recommend, okay. and a website, the website, a UK website by the name of the History Press. Oh, I know um, that okay. website. Yeah, they're really good. So now, Born on November 11th, 1792. Oh, she can be good. Okay. Yeah. To a poor family in Ritheridge, Devonshire, England. Now, uh, Mary's father was a cobbler and most likely a part-time farmer as well, but they were very poor. Uh, That feels very uh, 1700s England. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Right. (laughs) Um, Now, Growing up in this like small village, she was known to be like very willful and athletic at a time where, which wasn't very ladylike at the time, but she's a cobbler's daughter, a farmer's daughter. So um, she's probably out doing more manual labor, that kind of thing. But it was still unusual. She wasn't like very ladylike and dainty, Um, which. Which was me. You know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, me too. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, she would have been considered a, a tomboy had she been born yeah. in the modern era. So um, now this caused a lot of conflict at home, her willfulness. And so as soon as she could, as soon as she was of age, she left uh, and went to London where she worked as a okay. servant. Um, she worked numerous jobs in numerous households. Um, and she wasn't very good at being a servant because, again, very willful. Yeah. Uh, and being a servant is a l- it's very hard work and it fucking sucks. Uh especially it's it. Yeah, especially in like 1810, right? A I lot mean, of hard work. In those days being a servant was like you wake up at 5, you stoke Four. the fire. Yeah, yep. you like beat the laundry. I don't I don't know. Let's not pretend I know. It's a lot of hard work. But it sounds really bad. And it, it was endless work all day long. Yeah. 
Um, and but she again, she was not a good servant by all accounts. And she even got fired once for setting a bed on fire. <laughs> like on purpose? I I couldn't figure out if it was on purpose or like if she was just like, fuck this, or wasn't paying attention and like some I mean, of the I polls. Guess, like, everyone knows? had like candles everywhere. You know, you could just yeah. like, whoosh. You know, but it, it all the research made it seem like she set it on fire on purpose because they said set on fire and not like mistakenly set on fire, you know I, what, which I feel like they would. You keep say. sharing and I'm going to make a judgment call because I have okay. a feeling she did it on purpose. Go yeah, on. it probably sounds like it. Um, now, so she wasn't considered a good servant. But one thing everyone remembered about her is that she was good with children in particular. And she would tell them like these wild imaginative stories. Like okay. these sort of like just about far away exotic places. It's just she was very imaginative. Now, after being fired from one of her last jobs, she was just like, ah, this sucks. I'm going to do me. So she's okay. wandering around. Um, and she even tried now. The, but see, this is a lot more complicated because back then, uh, if you didn't have a job, they could like throw you in jail or in the workhouse. Yes. Like, so I that's saw why you Oliver. had to have a job. So yeah, yes, I know that. Exactly. Because Dickens, thank you. So to get around this, she tried to uh, check herself into uh, this place called the Magdalene House, where it's basically a reformatory uh, place for sex workers who are trying to change their lives. Okay. Well, once it was discovered that she had never been a sex worker, she was kicked <laughs> out. Oh, come on. They're like, bitch, you were servant. But it's like, basically, it's kind of like she was taking advantage of people who were even beneath servants. Like she was taking advantage yeah. of women who were forced onto the street, probes, presumably, to you know, to to make a living to eat. In general, uh, those women, if they could get a job being a servant, they would they would have taken it. Yeah. Right. They probably were preparing to become servants. Yes. In, yeah. So she got kicked out of that. And then. You know, she didn't have anywhere to go. So she's like, I'm not going back to being a servant. So she started, she kind of fell in with the wrong crowd, a bunch of bandits. She started wandering around the country, the countryside. Um, so Mary, being a very imaginative and smart girl, you know, she has no money, no prospects. So what do you do to avoid the workhouse? I don't you know. know what you do? What? You scam your ass off. That's <laughs> what, bitches. <laughs> now. According to some accounts of what um, of what I'm about to lay out, Mary got the idea for a con after watching a group of French lace makers from Normandy who had started a business outside of Bristol, England, where she kind of lived around uh, this area. Um, She noticed that their exotic way of dressing and their accents attracted a lot of attention, you know, and she's like, oh, maybe there's something that maybe there's something there. Right? So they're from Normandy? They're or from Normandy. And so they would wear these friends. like exotic okay. headdresses and like, and this is a time where people didn't travel. Most people in most countries didn't travel outside of their country. Right. Unless yeah, yeah. they had a lot of money. Right. Or they were sailors, particularly not women from poor backgrounds who were uh, made their living in the world as servants. So, um, so she's just like, huh? So, She's trying to come up with some idea, like, how can I work this angle? What is this going on? Now, one thing in her many, many jobs as a servant, I don't know if it was that many, but many jobs <laughs> as a servant, she picked up uh, one skill. She's picked up a lot of skills, actually. One was basic reading skills. So she taught herself oh. how to read. Okay. Um, 
which and then that's another impressive. was it's very impressive yeah another was how to imitate high society okay <laughs> so something clicked when she saw these french people from normandy and she was like huh she got the idea maybe she would take on a persona an affectation of some sort i mean now, so far i'm not mad at her I mean, I, don't don't go to the Magdalene house, girl. You know that's not for you. Right. But right. like, okay. Like I've right. done it. Like I lived in New York City and sometimes I had to like be the people that were there and so I could just like fit in and just like move it along. Smooth so far, out. She's, so far it's just a little bit of like the count of money, Christo, pretend to be somebody you're not. Oh okay. yes, no darling. Harm, no foul, it's right? me. You're great. But not niece. You don't remember me? <laughs> you I know. mean, it's in the modern world, we'd be like, eh, she fit right in, right? So, yeah. but then she's like, what kind of persona am I going to take, right? Because she's never traveled outside of England. Oh, right. So she wasn't sure. So she couldn't pretend to be French because there was too many people, unlike in America, apparently, in the 1940s. Uh, yeah, there was on only one in the 40s. The, yeah, in England, there were a lot of people who could speak French. So ah, she couldn't really do that. Um, so to avoid to be... But so to avoid being busted, she just put on something of an air of foreignness, quote unquote. Okay. Of where she was from some exotic land. <laughs> and, you know, she, by all accounts, she didn't seem to really have, she didn't really plan it out well. She just kind of like decided that she would try it. So she tried one thing and it started to work. And then she just kind of improvised her so way through. So this is like the OG catfishing. Like. OG catfishing. <laughs> Yes. Like she's kind of the inventor of catfishing. I love it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> awesome. So now, so Mary decides to do this, right? So on April 3rd, 1817, okay. she shows up in a village called Almondsbury, about eight miles from Bristol. Eight miles along, because, you know, a long way if you walk and like, yeah. you know, but it's not that far away. No, it'll take you like literal three minutes in a car. Yeah. So she puts on a, a modest black dress with a headscarf that's black and red. Um, and she starts going around uh, to different cottages in uh, Almondsbury, speaking in basically gibberish or pig Latin, like <laughs> a, a language <laughs> that no one can understand. Yeah. 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 I just didn't find she a language had... too. <laughs> She had like uh, she had modest uh, dress, like I said, and then she carried like a bar of soap and a, f a few English coins, one of which was uh, a counterfeit coin oh. <laughs> reported later on. Um, so she goes to this college and people are like, we don't understand what she's what's going on. So they take her to this man called Mr. Hill, um, who was called who was his whose title was the overseer of the poor. Oh, Okay. So he starts talking to her. He doesn't understand her either. She, now, she's clearly English. She's pale. She's got dark brown hair. She's a white lady. But she's she speaking like in this like everybody else. Okay. Yeah. Except she's acting kind of foreign-ish. And she's speaking in this this language no one can understand. So Mr. Hill, he's just like, ah, I can't get anything out of it. So um, and then at the same time, she was insistent on that she wanted to sleep. He offered her money, which she refused. And I thought, ah, that's a smooth take. Wow. No, no, no. I don't want money. No, no, I don't, it's like, I don't want yeah. your money. 
no, no. No, No, she's just refusing it in this foreign (laughs) language of some kind, right? So this puts him off guard. You know, she doesn't want the money. She's speaking this foreign language. Where did this woman come from? Um, And so everyone started to notice that her hands, because that's how they can kind of tell your station in life, right? Back then. She had smooth hands. So they surmise that she couldn't be a servant because her hands were so smooth. No, she's just lazy. Go on. (laughs) So they then took her to the local magistrate's uh, home by a man by the name of Samuel Worrell, Worrell, W-O-R-R-A-L-L, who was also, uh, in addition to being the the local magistrate, was a wealthy landowner. Oh. Um, He couldn't understand her either. And this is an educated upper class man, you know. (laughs) Um, So he thought, sounds Greek to me maybe my Greek servant <laughs> can understand <laughs> so he literally called in his Greek servant oh my god that's so like, that ain't Greek okay <laughs> that ain't Greek it's all <laughs> Greek to me uh. <laughs> now eventually um uh Samuel and his wife Elizabeth Worrell decided to take her this young lady because she's a young lady she's like in her early to mid-20s And, you know, they're decent enough people. So they decide to uh, get her a room at the local village inn called the bowl where she continue the ruse of like, because she's like, yeah, this is working. This is working. So sort of. Yeah. At the end, she pretends like she doesn't know what a bed is. Oh, my God. She refuses to eat certain food. What? She's just she's going all in. She's just basically she's unfamiliar with European ways. So she's basically doing an improv by yep. herself and she's yep. really committed to the part. Like she's, yep. she's lost in her character. Yep. She's okay. taking advantage of their, like their benevolence, but also their confusion. Right. Yes. Cause they're like, there's, she looks like a white lady, but she's speaking in this foreign language. She's dressed kind of foreign. Cause you know, the mind starts to make you think like you're seeing things that you aren't seeing. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're so like, then, oh, actually she, Maybe she's Spanish. I don't, you know. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So she starts to play into it. And then at one point um, in the lobby of the end, they have an illustration of a, a pineapple. So she gets very excited. And she starts gesturing in this gibberish. And she says, but she does say Nana, which is Indonesian for pineapple. Oh, does she know this? She, again, this woman, Mary's actually... Even though she comes from a poor background, she is extremely clever. Okay. And um, yeah, she's extremely clever. And she obviously, again, this is what we were talking about with your lady. Like if people have access to opportunities, it's amazing what they could achieve in life. Yes. Right. Yes. She obviously is has a brilliant mind when I tell you more of this story. But like she because of her circumstances and it's england in 18 so and so 12 <laughs> in 18 you're screwed you yeah yeah uh-huh. you have to live within your station so um so people are like oh maybe the pineapple is from her home country and pineapples are very exotic to people from england that's a very yeah. exotic thing so they're like oh she must be from far away so, ah, the ruse is working like a charm. So all the villagers are getting excited. They're coming to take a look at her, see if they can figure out where she's from. Uh, after a while, uh, Mrs. Worrell comes back. Elizabeth comes back to visit her in the end. And because no one's getting closer to figuring out who she is, um, she's like, well, let's, why don't you go back to my estate? Um, and it's called No House. 
Um, But in the meantime, now Elizabeth was an American and married to an Englishman. Um, And Elizabeth being an American, because Americans are straightforward, we don't give a fuck, right? Even in 1817, it's like, Uh she was like, I suspect, because again, Mary's like pretending like she doesn't understand English. So at one point, Elizabeth is like, now I suspect, I'm a little suspicious. I suspect you may be fooling me. And she's she says like, this to her? She says this to her. Okay. She's like, now, young lady, if basically, if this is a hoax that you're perpetrating because of your circumstances or out of distress, I understand. Just come clean now. I'll give you money and clothes and put you on your way and won't tell anyone of this deception. She's very like, so kind level with of me. her. That's, that's yeah. very kind of her. Yeah. Mary's like, I'm going to see what's going to happen. So I did bunch I would like to play her in the movie. Thank you very much. That was my audition. I hope I get the part. Now, obviously, Mary's like, no, nah, I'm going to ride this until the wheels uh, fly <laughs> off. Uh, even though <laughs> Elizabeth's like, like... What are you going to do with this at this point? Oh, you'll see. Oh, so, so Elizabeth's like, otherwise... If you if this if you're deceiving us, deception's found out. My husband's a magistrate. You can go to jail. Okay. Mary's like, I don't know nothing by nothing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she continues to ruse. Uh, they even actually um, uh, have they because the husband's like, what are we gonna do with her? We're not really sure. Da da da. The husband, um, uh, Elizabeth's husband, Mr. Worrell, they decide. <laughs> Maybe they should put her in a hospital because she's crazy. Maybe she's oh, crazy. Yeah, no, I I would do that. I would do that. Especially sake. after Elizabeth's talking to her one day and Elizabeth's trying to get her to write something down. They're trying to catch her, right? Trying yes. to figure out. But they're also genuinely thinking that she is lost. So she Elizabeth writes something down and it's her name and then she points at it and points at herself Elizabeth and then she you know she motions for Mary to do the same thing but Mary pushes the paper away okay. and then she points to herself and says caribou <laughs> princess caribou yeah. okay <laughs> so the Jeez. world's like her and her husband's probably like mm, I don't know about this so they take it to the mayor and the mayor's like I don't know she poor. She must be crazy. So let's commit her to St. Peter's Hospital. Okay. <laughs> but Mrs. Worrell is a decent woman again. So she's like, ah, I don't feel good about putting her like you're basically committing her for being poor and like lost. No. So she takes her back it's to very England. That's what they yeah. did. That's what they did. It tracks, yep. if you will. It tracks. Yeah. So she's like, you know, I mean, Charles, you know, um, uh, Dickens wrote those things for a reason i mean like, you know if you're mad at from, me please to read all of charles dickens yeah yeah it's very dickensian so now back at so they take her back to their they again they're very very rich on this estate called Knoll house um and so they they take her back and she, they basically are like live with us until okay. they can sort of figure out what's going on and because everyone's so curious about the new woman a bunch of people start coming over, you know, coming in and they're like, they're trying to figure out she's Turkish, she's Chinese. <laughs> what the hell is going on? This white girl uh, is not Chinese. Okay, go on. No. But again, in their head, they're like, she's foreign. 
So we don't know, right? Yeah. So now what I love about this is that <laughs> when a scam is going on, it's going well. So the word gets out. Other scammers are like, huh, maybe I can get in on that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Enter Manuel Ineso. Ineso. No. Oh, my Ineso. God. I'm so He's excited. He's a Portuguese uh, sailor who showed up and said that he understood her. Oh, my God. And he would translate her. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Rot roll. Rot roll. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> so you can imagine Mary's like, "Nah, this motherfucker is is pulling pushing in on what she's, I'm doing," but she, she says, can't give herself up. So I'm her she husband. Can't give herself up. <laughs> she says, "Yep." I <laughs> and by all accounts, they didn't know each other even after all of this. At the end of you know, after oh, really? what I get to the end, to he just literally showed up. It was like. I could understand her. <laughs> she must have been like, what? So, oh, my God. So since she didn't want to give the, the con away, she had to play along. Oh, my so, God. So uh, Manuel interviews her. And after he interviews her, he begins to tell everyone uh, her story. Oh, my God. So he says that she's a person, quote, quote, person of consequence, end quote, and a native of Sumatra. Oh, yeah. The team? Sumatra. <laughs> so, no, it's an island far away that's near Malaysia, basically. No, literally, I did not know that till right now. Sumatra. I, I just thought it was a, a type of tea. Yeah, it's a it's a place. I didn't it's know that. I'm glad we're it's... doing this podcast. I'm learning things that I maybe should have known. <laughs> He's a sailor, so he can come up with all these foreign sounding. So he knows. Land. Yeah, yeah. And again, it feeds into what they're they're already kind of thinking. It sounds foreign, right? But not yeah. only that, he goes on to say that she had been kidnapped <laughs> from her native land uh, and decided uh, her native land and brought to England and managed to escape. Now, after Manuel shows up, other people start adding to it. No. They started to yes and the hell out of this Mary's is story. This the greatest improvisation <laughs> ever. <laughs> like, Yes, and man. Yes, and. Yes, So they're and. like, okay. ooh, ooh. They were like, yeah. And she's the princess <laughs> of an island called Java Sioux. That's right. Also. <laughs> and her father was Chinese and her oh, mother was Malaysian. That's Even right. though she clearly a white lady. Okay. <laughs> she clearly oh, oh my a God. white lady. <laughs> now... And then they go on to say that one day while she was out with her ladies in waiting out on the beach, right. a pirate, uh, yes, a pirate yes, by a the pirate. name of Tapabu. Him. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tapabu captured her. Oh. And took her sailing all around the world. Mm, that sounds fun. One genius <laughs> scammer even came up with the idea of reconstructing a map of where all oh these God. fictional places where the, sh the the pirate took her. Yes, I love a prop. I love a prop. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and then they finally made their way to the coast of Bristol where she was able to escape and jump off into the water and swim ashore. <laughs> and here we are at last. Yeah. Safe and warm. Yeah. <laughs> now... She oh she starts playing again. She starts yes and in the hell out of this. So after this whole like 
tale gets out and people are like oh my god she's been this poor thing like she's been kidnapped so they present her with a bunch of uh flags for her to identify but she pushes them away because she's smart she knows how not to give herself away yeah she pushes them away and they're like oh my god poor lady she must have been captured and kept below deck so she can't recognize any of these 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 flags that's obviously what happened Mm -hmm. i'm just like what so anyway so it worked Again, this is working like a charm. Wow. And because the Warrells are like, are like, all of them are locally famous now. So, you know, this increases their status as being kind of hip too, because they're hip, because foreignness was like, oh, they're hip people, oh, you yeah, know, they- they're in the know. And what's remarkable about this, she's living on this grand estate, which is only about 80 miles from where she grew up. Oh, my God. Yep. Oh my God. But yep. 80 miles in those days is like three days. Yeah. But still. Yeah, like three, but still, it was that close. Now, it, it was working like a charm. Um, and, but because again, she wasn't, she didn't really plan ahead. So she was just kind of going along and she started doing like, it, yeah. So it, it, she didn't really plan ahead. So eventually she's going to get busted. I mean, right? at some point. Yeah. I think okay. she's going to get busted. Yeah. Now, they even, um, Elizabeth, Mrs. Worrell, even put on lavish parties and a dinner party in her honor, a ball in her honor. And they, they started referring to her as Princess Caribou. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I would like you to refer to me as Princess Caribou as well. <laughs> Thank you. I'm obviously half Chinese, half Malaysian. Okay. <laughs> now, the problem with something that's so grand, a grand of a ruse, is that eventually people are going to hear about it, even back then. But she went all in. Like, she, let me tell you some of the stuff she was doing. So every time she would see a body of water, she would get out and jump into it. Because she would <laughs> hear, she would hear, obviously she understands what everyone's saying about her, and then she would just act it out. Um, okay. At one point, she made a curry out of a pigeon. Ew. What? She okay. had a mock duel with Mr. Rural. She slept on the floor and she prayed on the roof. Okay. <laughs> she was doing everything she could to make these people think she was a foreign lady from a foreign land. Even foreign though she was people pale. pray on the roof. Ah, yeah. Ah. yeah. Exactly. Every time somebody would offer an opinion, um, she would just sort of like go along with it, right? So like in 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 addition to like praying on the roof and 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 you know, wielding a sword and all this stuff and carrying a dagger with her. Oh, my God. She designed exotic clothes. She wore (laughs) peacock feathers and sandals without stockings, which was crazy. Scandalous. Yes. Scandalous. So much so that Elizabeth commissioned a portrait of her that's very famous that shows her wearing the outfit that she designed with peacock feathers and these sandals. Oh, my God. I need to see that picture. She even began to write stories in her own language. Stop. Stop. Now, and this is what I mean about her being so intelligent, because according to experts in Bristol and Bath, at least the writing rules. So she would write out something and then it would be like, oh, it actually is consistent. Her use of certain oh. things is consistent. And that's I mean, what that's I mean. A, like, that's amazing. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, And so much so that the, the people in the local area were kind of in Bristol were they were like, oh, we should send this off to Oxford, you know, to see. What they can, you know, the actual yeah. linguist, what they could come up with. I mean, it is insane. This woman, this is an Oscar worthy <laughs> performance. 
I'm now eventually yeah. a man named one of her paramours because again she had a lot of admirers men uh, you know uh, I think maybe she was hoping that maybe they were proposed to her and she would get married and like uh, is she like going what people uh, is she going of. to speak oh wait say that again uh, Alec Baldwin's wife remember she's accused Listen. of being Latina. This is why we're this is friends. A white woman. White. This is why we're friends. Who's not you, Latino? I knew you were about to say that because I was just thinking like, but you have to keep this up. Yep. But she she does keep it up. There's seventh child's named Senorita, <laughs> you know, Plantain or something. I don't know. But <laughs> not Plantain. I don't know. Yeah, that's different. Um, but like, I mean, I guess if you're Puerto Rico or. Yeah, you know. right? I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm hungry and plantains are delicious. That may be oh, why they are I delicious. said what I said. They're so good. Ugh. No, Mary was like, she gonna have uh, caribou number five. Okay, she was thinking, <laughs> I'm gonna get married. It gonna take me away from this, which is not a bad plan, actually. You have to speak this language for the rest of your life. But the thing is, she did it. I think her big mistake was that she did it so close to where people could find her. Like if she had done this on uh, yeah, the other side true. of town, maybe not, right? But she also chose not to do it in London, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Um, so eventually this man named Charles Wilkinson, which, who was one of her admirers, he was just trying to help her out because they were all like, oh, we need to help this young woman out. She's helpless, da da da. So he placed a description of her in the local journal. Okay. It was printed in all the papers throughout the UK, which caught the attention uh. Of a woman who said that she recognized her. So the yep. jig was up. Yep. So about 10 weeks after living with the Worrells and three months after starting the, the ruse, she was busted by this woman who said, Caribou who? There ain't, no, <laughs> there ain't nobody but Mary Baker from Bristol. Okay. <laughs> like, I know Mary Baker. That. Okay. <laughs> This reminds me of a, a quick story. When I was growing up, there's this uh, boy that I grew up, we were kind of around the same age and his name was Toby. And Toby was biracial, mixed, as we used to say. And he was raised by his grandmother, Grandma Bell, who was from Italy. Ooh. At least that's what they said. And he and all his cousins lived with their grandmother and they all were mixed. So all of them, all of them had white mothers and black fathers. Oh, wow. And they were living with their grandmother. That's the uh, Grandma Bell. Okay. Yeah. And... Now, with biracial black and white mix, various shades, various hair textures, sometimes they just look like a black person is light skin. Sometimes they don't even look light skin. They just look like a black person who's both both their parents are black. It's just it, it, you just never know what you're going to get. Right. Because you never know people's background, uh, racial or right. ethnic background. But Toby, <laughs> Toby was going around telling all these girls that he was Puerto Rican. All right. Okay. <laughs> Was there like we're at school one day? I was like, that Negro ain't Puerto Rican. Him, Mama White, his Daddy Black. Okay, I busted him. <laughs> Did you really? He got so mad at me. He's like, oh, what you God. telling me? They were like, mm, he Puerto Rican. He just don't speak Spanish. I was like, mm, him, Mama, his Mama White, his Daddy Black. Okay. No, what, what, what was his end game for being Puerto Rican? Like. Just to be like a little it exotic. Seems like exotic. Because uh, okay. now I think by you know now people know mix. Even though again biracial mix kids have been around forever, especially since yes. the start of America. But mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. it was like also I think it was more identifiable. And the girls he was hitting yeah. on were also Puerto Rican. Okay. Oh, and you just like 
messed with him. Oh, poor Toby. Yeah, I messed up his whole. And it's sad because Puerto Rican sound like, oh my God, he sound exotic. He sound real sexy. And I'm just I like, like no, Toby. He's Puerto Rican. No. No. I was like, no. And I was like, I'm going to tell Grandma Bell. She's going to beat you up. She's like, it's Grandma Bell that play that. She's like, don't no. be ashamed of who you are. Like, yeah, no, I don't blame her. I don't. But the girls were like, he just don't speak Spanish. I was like, mm, no. That's not so that's thing. what. That's what this woman remind me of. She was like, mm, they ain't nothing but Mary with a, a faking an accent. That Mary Baker. It used to be her former um, landlady. So, oh, okay. I was going to say, who is it? Okay. So the jig was up. Now, surprisingly, Elizabeth yeah. Rural was not that upset. Of course, everybody was disappointed around this time. The letter came back for Oxford and they were like, uh, this is not a real language. No. Nope. <laughs> it's not real. Because they're Oxford and they know. I mean, um, talk about yeah. gaslighting a community. Like, that's this, crazy. It's insane. And then Elizabeth was actually a very kind woman, I think, because instead of putting her in jail, she paid for her passage on uh, to America on a ship. That's yeah. a nicer person than me. I, yeah, I think, you know what I think it was? I think Elizabeth, being an American, was like, you know what? America's all about individualism, right? Finding, yes. reinventing yourself. You know, maybe she just took pity on it because she's a young woman and she's poor. Yeah. And, you know, so she's like, this is your opportunity because you're going to have to get the hell out of England. <laughs> you have to get yeah. the hell out of here. So. And also because they were close, it, she might have had some mo real moments yeah. With her after the fact, after the ruse was up where, you know, she said, like, I just want more from life and I didn't know how to get it. And I'm sorry. Like, who knows? Right. Where she who knows her empathy. But um, this is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, so also she was I mean, really rich so she can afford that passage. She's, she didn't I mean, but it. a lot of rich people are like the gallows, you know? So I just think that That's was true. like, yeah. it's really kind of interesting that that was the, the take that she, uh, the, the, the take that she came out of all of this being deceived, you know, but yeah. obviously she must've felt like Mary was very desperate to pull this kind of thing. And then she did fool everybody for a long time. I mean, I don't know. I'm I mean, very like, I don't know if it's a good thing, but I'm very impressed. I'm very impressed. Me too. I am Look, too. I did a lot of improv in New York back in the day, and I was not that good, honestly. Like this is really it. hard. Yeah, yeah. Like so, scenes last like three minutes, and I'd be like, "Oh, I gotta come up with something." I know. But this woman lasted three, three months. months. Three okay. months. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now, so she gets on the on the on the uh, on the ship, and while she's on the ship, the story makes its way to America. And they start covering in the papers about this hoax. Ah, okay. So she arrives in Philadelphia and as Mary Baker, as herself. But what she didn't expect was all the, a bunch of Americans went down to the, the port and they were like, we want to see the princess. Oh my God. Princess Only, in Only in America. That is very American. We know she's not a princess, but we want to see the princess. That's do how it, they refer to her. Do it, do it. <laughs> so eventually she left uh, Philly and went to uh, New York City. Um, and she actually stayed in the States for seven years. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, okay. there's not a lot of research on what she did for that seven years. One source says that she was offered work as a seamstress. 
Uh, but that didn't seem to last. I mean, after being a princess and, and living in as a guest with rich people, working for yourself is not so appealing. Anymore. I mean, I'm like, join vaudeville. Go on the road. I know. You that's know? a great point. Yeah. If we were friends back then, I'd be like, girl, let's go. That's a great point. Now, eventually, though, because she didn't like America, she said that uh, America just didn't compare to England. So eventually she made her way back to Bristol in okay. 1824. Okay. And she set up a business for herself selling leeches to Bristol ho- to the Bristol Hospital. Oh, my God. That's so gross. <laughs> so basically becoming. No, because that's what they use a lot uh, in, in medicine. She, so got she basically into, became into a contractor. Supplies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she made a living for herself. It wasn't uh, a, you know, a wealthy living, but she it was she was a businesswoman. It was okay. her own business. Yeah. She got married. Really? She had a daughter uh-huh, by the name of Marianne, and she died in 1864 at the age of 75. And then her daughter took over the family over the business. For more leeching. Cool. For more leeching, because they were still using it. Yeah. Now, today, you can see the portrait that, remember, Elizabeth had commissioned this portrait of her wearing oh, yes. this, this outfit and the peacock feathers. It was done by um, a gentleman by the name of Edward Bird, and it's at the Bristol Museum. Oh, so I, w- I would I mean, love to see that. So that is the story of Mary Baker uh, Wilcox, uh, aka Princess Caribou. So, she is amazing. Thank you so much uh, for her. One of the original like con artists. I mean, get it, girl. And what I love about it, kind of, is that, and I get, and I have a feeling, the fact that she's a woman. Hmm very much allowed her to get away with it a little. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes, sometimes because no one expects anything of us, we can get away with it, you know, because I also think, yeah, I also think it's really interesting that while working in these, these households of rich people or, you know, well-off people, I think she learned because she was able to take on the affectation and sort of play the original, like, white woman tears. Yeah. But white woman tears only worked for a certain class of white woman. Yes. Because if you're poor, Mm-mm, like, and you time. speak a certain way, they, I mean, maybe in your community that works, but that doesn't really, that's not going to work with the upper class because she scammed the upper class, basically. Yeah, the upper class was the ones who feel sorry for her. Yeah. And that's what, that's yeah. what I got, that, like, they're yeah. the ones who threw her balls and parties yeah. and, you know, but I will say, like, with all of her scamming, mm-hmm. I'm not getting that she, like, stole from people. I mean, kind of, because they threw her balls and they fed her and they took care of her. But, you know, it wasn't like she took the jewels in her purse and went off to America. No, you know what I, I mean? Think, like, I think because she didn't really think it out at first. I also yeah. think it goes back to her her natural her nature from being young she loved like she had a a great imagination this woman could have been like had she been trained early enough she could have been a wonderful writer oh 
I mean, you know, if she had gone to school and like cultivated that yes. and had saw that path, she could have been a wonderful writer because her imagination was out of, out of this world. I almost feel like she just knew she was beyond what was expected yes. of her in life and just did not know how to grasp it. I made a joke earlier that she was lazy. It wasn't really a joke. I just muttered she was lazy. But the point is, like, I don't think it really was that. It was just that she was in a job. She just felt like I'm saying this because I have been there. She was in a job yep. that she just felt like she should not be doing. And, and so she that knew that she's just not going to do it well. And she knew working from 4 a.m. to midnight was not going to lead to anywhere in right. 1817. Right. And she was smart enough to kind of get that and, yeah. and aware enough in herself to know that that's just not who she is and how she and how she does. And I, 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 and I give her credit. Yeah. I mean, I would want to be, I mean, she's still a scammer, but no, I, I agree scammer, with you. She didn't but... steal like jewels. And I mean, maybe perhaps who's to say that if it had lasted for maybe six months, maybe eventually she would have absconded, but she doesn't sound like I, I use the term scammer just lightly though, because she doesn't sound like a con artist in the sense that, she goes from town to town to town scamming people and right. getting money and then leaving in the middle Which of the is, night. You know, the music man. Um yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was the this first like a that was the first yeah. show I ever did. If we want to talk oh, about I love me the for music a moment. Man. There's yeah. trouble. Right here, right here. Uh, but like I yeah, I just thought she was so fascinating because we've we've been so obsessed with these scammers of late and yeah. you know, and I just thought I've I've been rewatching uh Inventing Anna. Oh, you're you know? rewatching Advanced. Yeah, uh, rewatching. And I just think, like, it's fascinating. Yeah, like, yeah. And I think it was easier to do it back then, but I don't think people of her stature, <clears throat> excuse me, would have thought to even have the courage to try something like this. What I think is interesting with her is that at least when she was caught, she was like, my bad, you know, like, yeah. You know what I mean? Which I'm glad they didn't put her in jail, even though. <clears throat> Like, what is that going to, like, help? In general, like, putting someone in jail, listen, if you're a criminal, if you're a hard criminal. Yeah, you're killing like, people, kicking them stop, down wells and stuff. Yeah, you yeah, probably should you know go what? to jail. You threw that person in a well. Peace. Yeah. But, like, she, you know, like, find a different avenue. I don't know. I don't know. And also, she, uh, and to me, she got this desperate because they criminalized being poor. Yes. I mean, I think that's we're both so aware of where she came from and this like bright personality that was trying to find its way. And that's the best she could do, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. I I, I kind of like yeah. her. I might be wrong, yeah, but I like her. <laughs> so, I mean, she's notorious because she scammed she's people. She's like one she's of the notorious. earliest known scant scammers. So. <laughs> but, well, that wraps it up for uh, this episode of Notorious Women. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Yes, yes, How you yes. feel? How you feel about the episode? Good? I love it. I feel yeah. really good. How, yeah. about, how and- about you? I feel good. I feel good. I'm a little good. nervous about uh for you guys it's a little insight. Uh electronics, the IT of it all, we're just like I hope we this are works. learning <laughs> alongside you. Yes. Thank you for coming on our journey with us. Yes, also, and I apologize. I will get a mic stand. So I won't be holding it like I'm in stand up in circa 1983. So funny. I know. <laughs> knock, um, knock. 
if anyone has technical advice, you can email us at notorious notoriouswmpod at gmail.com. Um, you can check out our Instagram, which is Notorious Women Pod, and, uh, and like, like us and things. Yeah. Or is it yeah. Notorious Women Podcast? It's Notorious Women Pod. You know what? Let's just everyone <laughs> hang out. Everyone talk amongst yourselves. Talk amongst yourselves. We're professional it, people. We're okay. professionals. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. Notorious. It's Notorious Women Podcast. I was yes. wrong. Are you happy? No, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wrong every minute of every day, I swear. And on that note, okay. uh, <laughs> we will see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us and bye-bye. Bye. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.